0: Our scripture this morning is from a brief passage that's actually part of the Sermon on the Mount. We've used it before here, but with it being Sunday school promotion and blessing of the backpacks and everything that's going on, I felt it would be appropriate to kind of get us focused for the year ahead. And it comes from Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. He says, You are the salt of the earth. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Amen. Pastor Tony Evans recalls the time when he and his wife were on their way back to Dallas from their vacation in New York City and they arrived at LaGuardia Airport at roughly four in the afternoon on August fourteenth, two 2003. They got in line for the curbside check-in but the line never really started to move anywhere. So Pastor Evans eventually got out of his car and walked ahead of the line to find out what was going on. And he met up with the baggage handler, and who informed him that the airport was completely without power and that nothing was working at all. So he went back and he got back in line with the other thousands of people for a couple of hours And then everyone was informed that a power grid had gone out in Canada, causing it to shut down a lot of southeastern Canada, as well as eight states in the northeast United States. So all of that area was without power. In other words, he and his wife found themselves stranded at the airport in the middle of the blackout of 2003, the largest blackout in North American history during which 50 million people would be without power for up to a couple of days. Slowly but surely, Evans and his wife began to realize that the problem was much bigger and was going to last a whole lot longer than they initially anticipated. So he quickly called up his assistant back in Dallas and said, hey, I need you to help because things have gone south here really quick. Can you find us a hotel room ASAP? So she calls back 15 minutes later and she says, Hey, I found you one. It's the Crown Plaza LaGuardia, but they said they'd only hold it for you for 10 minutes, so you gotta get there. So he and his wife immediately call out on a taxi, they make their way, and as you can imagine, it's pitch dark. This taxi car driving down through these dark streets. They arrived at the Crown Plaza Hotel, which by this time was lit by candlelight. If you can imagine a large hotel lit like that and they checked in, had to do it manually because nothing was working, and eventually they took flashlights and made their way up to their hotel room. Well, they lit a candle to kind of light the way so they could retire in their room for the night was their plans, hoping for a better day tomorrow. When his wife went to pull the curtain back in order to see, hey, can we raise these windows and let a little bit of air in here? And guess what she saw? Across the street... The Marriott Hotel was all lit up with music playing in the middle of all that darkness. (laughs) Now keep in mind, nothing else was lit up anywhere around it. So Evans and his wife made their way with their flashlights down the stairs and crossed the street to see how this was possible. They walked into the Marriott with this air-conditioned foyer Lined with do- tons of TVs, tuned into CNN reporting about how dark New York was. They wound up getting in line because Marriott was probably offering only hot food in town at that time. And eventually he caught up with the assistant manager and said, how is all this possible? How can you be filled with so much light and power here in the middle of all this darkness? And the guy said, well, this is quite simple and this is what Evan says he said. When we built this hotel, we built it with a gas generator. Therefore, we're not dependent. Hear what he's saying, upon what's happening out there to determine what's going on in here. We've got something in here that, because it's not dependent upon what's going on out there, gives us in here what we what uh, out there does not possess. They had something built in that gave them the ability to transcend the darkness, Evan says, in which they found themselves. Now think about it. When we watch the news and look around us in the world today, we see a lot of darkness. We see social darkness, moral darkness, relational darkness, and even spiritual darkness. Truth be told, a lot of churchgoers, whether we would admit it or not, are paralyzed by it all. Don't know what to make of it, don't know what to do with it. Many of us are discouraged by the darkness, worried by the darkness, hopeless due to the darkness, and ultimately, afraid of the darkness. But this morning, I want to remind us to remember that Jesus said that we are the light of of the world and light like that Marriott hotel sticks out and shines brightest when it's the most dark those of us who are Christians need to remember that the church was built with its own gas generator that never stops it was built on the foundation of Jesus Christ And to borrow some of the words of Marriott's assistant manager, the church is not dependent upon what's happening out there to determine what's going on in here. We've got someone in here that because he's not dependent upon what's going on out there, gives us in here what there does not possess. We have someone built in that gives us the ability to transcend the darkness in which we find ourselves today, which brings us right into our little brief outline this morning. As the light of the world, the church needs to rise and shine. That's our acronym, S-H-I-N-E. To do so, first of all, we must stay connected to our power source. We've got to stay connected to our power source. It should come as no surprise if we get overwhelmed by the darkness if we are not connected to the power source. If we have a lamp at our house and we go to plug it in, it's going to come on. If we leave it unplugged, it's not coming on. When we got back from vacation, Lindsay went to put something in her microwave at first, couldn't figure out what was going on. Guess who had unplugged it before we left? Things do not work without their power behind them. In verse 14, Jesus said that people do not light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. That makes no sense. The lamp is lit in order to provide light in the darkness to everyone in the house, Jesus says. And I've got over here beside me, being the person I like to do this stuff. Here is an actual lamp. Like in Jesus' day, it was made in the Holy Land. It's a replica. It's not from ancient times. But you put olive oil in it. Olive oil was very abundant over in that area. They had it up to their ears. Lots of olives and olive oil. You could fill that up, and it would burn for four to five hours, it's been estimated. This makes perfect sense when you consider the parable of the ten virgins. If you'll remember, they were there ready for the big wedding, and uh, they all had their lamps waiting into the night. And then the bridegroom was delayed in coming and did not arrive till midnight. Well, guess what? That would coincide with about the four to five hour times of light they would have from their lamps. Well, five of them had brought an extra little jar of oil so that they could keep their lamps burning. Five of them, called the foolish virgins, did not... And so when it was announced that the bridegroom was coming, you remember what happened? They had to rush to the store to try and or rush in to try and buy some from somebody. Meanwhile, while they're off trying to buy it because their lamps had gone out because they were not prepared, the five wise ones had already got their lamps burning. The bridegroom and the wedding party goes by and they go into the banquet and they shut the door and the foolish ones never made it in. Why? Because what they did was a grave offense and insult to the host who had given them the honor of serving in the way that they were. It's important for us not to let our lamps go out due to discouragement or whatever. We need to be tapped in to that never-ending supply of oil that comes through jesus christ it is in and through jesus that our witness and lamps if you will can endure burning brightly even in the darkest hours of the night without him and his constant continuous power supply we will burn out Jesus said it this way, using a different analogy in John 15, 5. He said, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Are we abiding and remaining in Jesus at this moment? That word means, have we made our home in him? Have we set up shop with him? Have we taken significant time? To spend with him so he can refuel us through prayer and his word. Do we take time, consistent time, to be with the other members of his body for our mutual fellowship and worship and discipleship so that he can refuel us? So that we in turn can burn brightly for him in our witness ministry and missions. It is in and through Jesus Christ and Him alone that we receive the never-ending supply of God's power. And this brings us right into point number two. We must huddle with other little lights. We must huddle with other little lights. What do I mean by that? We are the little lights that make up the big light, if you will. And it is when we worship together, serve together, and live out our faith together that we shine the brightest and the furthest. Jesus explains in verse 14 that a city on a hill cannot remain hidden at nighttime. Why is that? What is a city made up of? A city is made up of multiple buildings, houses, streets, and people. And at nighttime, there is a collective glow from all the smaller lights burning in those buildings, houses, and streets. If you've ever been an awful ways from a city, you can see the glow from a distance. Their collective light burns brighter. The more individual lights burning in the city, the greater the amount of light the city produces. And the same is true of the church today. We as individual Christians are to let our smaller individual lights shine in our everyday lives. We are. But in order for our witness to be at its brightest, we must join together so that the world will be drawn to our collective shine as all those people were drawn to that Marriott Hotel on that dark, dark night. Jesus said in verse 15 that people don't light a lamp at night and then put it under a ball. How much sense does that make? It makes no sense to hide our light in the darkness so that no one can see it. That doesn't help anyone with anything. It makes no sense that we proclaim Jesus to be the light of the world and yet keep his light and ours hidden within the walls of a church building. We are meant, by this illustration he gives us, to engage and illuminate the darkness within the community around us. This leads right into point three. We must impact the world around us. It's not an option. That's part of being a Christ follower. That's part of being in Him. Jesus said in verse 16, to let our light shine before people so that they will see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven. Now Jesus says in Matthew 6 at the next chapter, He says, uh, we must be careful not to be doing our acts of righteousness in order that others may see us. But that in no way contradicts what he's saying right here. In verse 13, Jesus said that his followers are the salt of the earth. Well, what's one of the main uses of salt that we have for today? We use it for seasoning food, right? Usually when I make an egg sandwich in the morning, I'll get up, scramble my eggs. I'll add a little fat-free milk, a little salt, throw it on the... You know, the stove, get that done, and get me two slices of bread, slice of fresh tomato. Making you hungry, aren't I? (laughs) Slap that all together. And when I take that first bite of that sandwich, I don't think I've ever thought, "Mm, that is some good salt. What am I thinking? That is a good sandwich. Or maybe those are some good eggs. You see what the purpose of the salt is in this case. When we serve in the community, our ultimate goal is not to have people say, well, that Pastor Richard, he sure is an awesome guy. That's not the goal. Or that Don Barbie, hey, she's, she sure is good with children. Or that Mike Zimmerman, man, he sure does a lot of good stuff. That's not the ultimate goal. We're just the salt. We're the seasoning. Our ultimate goal in serving is that others see Christ in us and say, that God sure is awesome. There must be something to this God thing. Because what I'm seeing sure does look good in light of everything else that's going on in this world right now. That God is sure doing some amazing things in and through the lives of those folks at Shiloh. This time I want to ask our staff members your Wondering why I'm not in a coat and tie. Well, this is why. Staff members, if you're close by, if you'll just come forward real quick. We got a couple of examples right here. Uh, We were going to have a gray option. Come on, stand up. You're our only white shirt, John. One of the things that we're working on uh, behind the scenes, been doing it for a while, and we just got to fine-tune all the things with the consistory. But we got these knit shirts. We're going to offer them for sale, not to make money. We wanted to make money. Nobody would be able to get them. We want to let folks know who we are here at Shiloh. It's not just to say, hey, everybody, look at Shiloh. It's so that they'll say, oh, those people, I'm seeing them showing up in different places, in different ways, serving in different capacities. They're looking, there's something there going on where they want to make a difference in the community. And you got your, your white option, as John said, symbolizing his purity. Y'all want to pull, step over this way a little bit. And then you got Martha and I, we're we're on fire for the Lord right now. Wearing the red right here. You got your dark navy bluish color. I forget what the official name is for it. And we got a gray as well. Agreeable Agreeable gray, that's right. (laughs) You might want to be careful about wearing it over at the charter school. You might not be seen. So, that no. We might blend into the gray. But anyway, but to wear these shirts, it's merely to show folks, hey, there's... There's something going on beyond all this. We're looking to get T-shirts too because I don't think we want to wear this shirt while we're moving furniture, right? You want to have shirts that you can wear whenever and whatever. But remember what we were talking about earlier right before COVID really hit hard, that SHARE acronym. We serve others, help others, appreciate others, respect others, In the hopes of doing what? Engaging others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. Thank you all very much. Um, That's what we hope to do. What is it all about? Jesus said it himself in verse 16. He said, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. How do we do this? How do we do it? Well, first of all, fourthly, we must neutralize the decay in this world. Neutralize the decay in this world. Back in Jesus' day, the main use for salt was to preserve things, to keep the meat from rotting. Right? So when we as Christians see families, neighborhoods, schools, individuals, and others, and their lives falling apart, we are meant to jump in there with the power of God and the love of Christ in order to help meet those needs and help prevent further decay. That's part of what we're about. And fifthly, we must exemplify God's grace and truth in our lives. Exemplify God's grace and truth in our lives. These good deeds to which Jesus refers include transform lives in Christ-like character that stick out in the darkness. When we're wearing our shallow shirts in the community, the potential to do much good for the glory of Christ is amazing, but so is the potential to do great harm. What kind of message will it send if we're wearing our shallow shirts while volunteering over at the charter school while at the same time we're bad-mouthing and gossiping about others? What kind of message will it send if we're wearing our shallow shirts while having a prayer at the Faith Soda Shop and then we post something oh, like a picture or a comment online that is totally unchristlike. Will such a mixed message make others see our good deeds and praise our Father in heaven? Or will they be distracted or even disillusioned by the darkness in our lives? In order to shine brightly, Jesus goes on in the Sermon on the Mount to declare that Christians not only refrain from violence and murder, but to refrain from bitterness and unforgiveness. They not only refrain from adultery and immorality, but refrain completely from lust. They not only honor their promises, but they also honor their word. They not only refuse to seek revenge, but they also are willing to turn the other cheek. They not only avoid hating their enemies, but also embrace loving and praying for their enemies. It's radical stuff. We shine brightness in the darkness when our lives are deeply and genuinely transformed by Jesus Christ, by His grace and His truth. For many in their homes, their lives, communities, In this world, night has fallen. And for many, it's dark. It's really dark. But what are we here for? We're here to announce that the sun has risen, and he's still shining from his throne today. And church, it is our turn to rise and shine And give God the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen.